Today, for the next two Sundays, we will be live stream only. Um, um, we're going to plan on our worship team coming in. I talked to them this morning and, and uh, for, uh, at our regular 10.30 service times and um, having some worship, uh, worship and uh, online worship and then a message from the Word of God. So, um, amen. So, it's, it's some new water, some new territory that we're in. Now, we are um, we're live streaming with my phone this morning. We, the equipment that we have is, is um, just not the best. So, and besides that, no, no one that is here this morning knows how to operate it. So, um, we're just doing the best we can with what we have. So, we're uh, hopefully getting the message out there. Maybe by next Sunday we'll have... Uh, something a little better to, to work with, hopefully. And um, uh, Wednesday night, I will be coming to you live stream with Wednesday night message, either from here in the sanctuary or from my office, uh, one or the other. But we will be coming to you with the Word of God on Wednesday night, okay? And then I'll also be updating you through the week on various things that, um, that you need to know of. Um, also, you that are, that are at home, and uh, I've made this announcement to the church today, but um, we are praying for you. We are praying for your well-being. We are praying for your safety. We are praying for your uh, healing and protection. And um, we, are, we are claiming God's protection for you. So agree with that. Believe with us that the Lord... You know, I'm going to tell you something. God is still. He is still Jehovah Rapha. He is still the Lord, our healer. And so we're, we're believing the Lord uh, to take care of each one of you. And uh, it, I know there are, there are going to be some hardships with people losing um, some income, layoffs and various things, and we understand that. But for you all that, um, that are continuing, uh, we need your continued support over the next two weeks, financial support. So if you have a tithe or offering that you would like to mail to the church, we at this point don't have an online giving set up. So, um, you know, we're... Uh, we're still a little bit in the dinosaur age there. I've told you all before I'm, I'm a dinosaur. So, um, but anyway, we're still in the, kind of in the, in the stone age there. So we're still doing snail mail, you know, where you actually put it in an envelope and mail it in. So, but anyway, our mailing address here is Abundant Life Family Church, Post Office Box 565, Farmington, Missouri, 63640. I also will be in the office uh, Tuesdays through uh, Saturdays, um, so um, anywhere from 930 um, throughout the day. So if you would like to drop off your, if you're out and about and in town, want to stop by, drop off your tithe, your offering, um, you can do that as well. Um, the phone number here at the church, if you need to contact us, is 573 Six six four one zero two seven. Okay, and our home phone number is five seven three six six four one three seven nine. Feel free to call us anytime that you have need. Contact us through a messenger on Facebook, through text messaging. Many of you have our cell phone number, but I'm, I'm not sure I want to put that out on social media. So um, anyway, you can contact us at any time you have any. We, we will come and pray with you. We're there for you. Amen. We are, we are your pastors, your shepherds. We love you, and we're there for you to, uh, to be there for you, whatever your needs may be. Okay? Now, I guess I better get to preaching because I don't know how much battery we got on this phone, and I got I to gotta preach before the battery runs out, okay? And I am in a little different environment today as well because I'm limited. I think they told me I can go to here and I can go to here. And any of y'all that know me know that I'm usually out there somewhere. But uh, Brother Eric's helping me out with that. If I get a little too far to one side or another, he's going to try to keep me in the picture, okay? All right, good luck, somebody said. Praise God. But Brother Buddy's got, he's got uh, experience at that. At another church we were at, he, he tried to follow me with a camera one time, and uh, he had a hard time doing it. All right, open your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles, would you please? 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, we are doing a series 
uh, on Sunday mornings. We are still preaching through the Gospel of Mark. But until we get back, probably till after Easter, we're going to be doing a little something different, okay? I'm going from week to week of what the Lord lays upon my heart to, um, to preach some encouragement to y'all. Not that, I, not that I don't preach encouragement at any other time, but just some special messages of encouragement to try to get us through this, um, this difficult time that we're going through. And God is going to bring us through this. God is going to bring us through. Amen. And I'm tell you what, we're going to be stronger. We're going to be better uh, when we come through the fire. He said, when you, when you go through the fire, you'll not be burned. When you go through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. So God's going to take care of us. Are you there? Second Chronicles chapter number 20, a familiar story. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. Second Chronicles chapter number 20 and verse 1 says this, And it happened after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, uh, and they are in Tazon Tamar, which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat, notice verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah came together to ask help of the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is with able to withstand you? Are you not our God? I love this prayer, ladies and gentlemen. Are you not our God? who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham your friend forever. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, just out of curiosity, when I was studying this, I looked up the word pestilence. And do you know what the definition of pestilence was? A fatal epidemic disease or a destroying plague. A fatal epidemic disease or destroying plague. And in this prayer of Jehoshaphat, he said, If disaster comes upon a sword, judgment pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and we will cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, COVID-19, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? Notice verse 12. Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But I ain't going to stop reading there because the next sentence says, But our eyes are upon you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you this morning for a little bit about building a monument of praise in the midst of your valley. Building a monument of praise in the midst of your valley. Father, thank you today for your Holy Spirit, for the presence of the Lord. 
here in this sanctuary, in this service. Lord, we thank you for, um, God, for being there for us. We're just believing you today that you will reach out by your Spirit in every place that this live stream is and in this, and in this service here today to touch our hearts and lives in a special way. I ask you to anoint me, to help me, to minister your word today. Give me the words you would have me to say. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen and amen. amen. The words that were spoken here that we read to you from, that, uh, from this text were words that were spoken by King Jehoshaphat. And these words, when he said in that text, we don't know what to do, are words that each and every one of us, I would be willing to say that every one of us in this sanctuary this morning, at one time or another, maybe even this past week, have uttered those very same words and said, Lord, I just don't know what to do. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I've said those words several times to the Lord this past week. Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do. And I think everybody probably here and those that are are watching this um, service this morning at home, I think every one of us have said those words at one time or another. Um, Lord, I just don't know what to do. I, I, I have situations, and all of us have, had situations that arise in our life when we, things that come our way that we just simply do not have a solution for that problem. The psalmist talked about it in Psalm 107. If I had a homework assignment for you today, I would say go to Psalm 107 and read that entire uh, 107th Psalm this week because it'll it'll lift you up and it'll bless you. But in that that Psalm 107, uh, the psalmist talked about the sailors that were in the storm on the ship and the winds rocking that boat and tossing it like a cork on the waves of the sea. And the scripture, the psalmist said that those sailors in that storm were, it uses this terminology and says that they were at their wit's end. And that's a phrase that all of us, I think, have used at one time or another too. Well, Lord, I'm just at my wit's end. I just don't know what to do. You know what it means? Does anybody know what it means to be at your wit's end? To be at your wit's end means, uh, here's what the phrase means, not having or perceiving any way out. Not being able to see any way out of that certain circumstances or situation. And we have all been in that place before where we just couldn't seem to see any way out of the thing that we were facing or the situation that we were going through. And this is, a, this is the very place, ladies and gentlemen, that the devil, the enemy, wants to bring the church to. This is the place that the enemy's trying to bring your life to today. A place where we're at our wit's end, a place where we do not know what to do, where we don't have an answer for the problem or an answer for the situation where we can not perceive any way out of our circumstances. But can I tell you something? That that is a place, that place called wit's end, that place where we can't perceive a way out is the very place we cannot afford to go there. Come on, amen? We can't come to a place of no hope. We cannot allow ourselves as a body of believers, as a church, as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot allow ourselves to come to a place of gloom and despair. We can't go there. Amen? Jehoshaphat admitted that he didn't know what to do about the situation when he came to the Lord in prayer. But then we learn from the prayer of Jehoshaphat what we are supposed to do when we don't know what to do because he said, we're here, God. We have no power. We have no might against this enemy that's come against us and we don't know what to do. But he didn't stop there. He said, but our eyes are upon you. Come on, somebody. 
We gotta get our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ in this difficult situation. We've gotta keep our eyes upon Him. And if there ever was a time we've gotta follow the Lord and seek His direction and find His will and do what He's, what he's directing us to do, it's today. Can I get an amen? How many's got your eyes upon the Lord today? How many's looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? Now in this uh, text today, in this passage of Scripture that I've read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we see, in a, we see here a sudden attack that had, that had been launched against Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah, God's people. It was a, there was a severe problem that had come their way, a problem that they faced. And this entire story, and by the way, um, this, this, um, this 20th chapter of Second Chronicles, I've preached from it before. It's one of my favorite Old Testament narratives. But there was a problem that was faced by God's people. And it seems like God's people are, are, are never out of some kind of problem that they're facing. But this story revolves around Jehoshaphat and a disturbing, distressing time. An alarming multitude, a, a multitude of three different armies, a coalition of three different armies had confederated together to come against the people of God. And this alliance of nations combined their forces. And when they came against, uh, the, uh, against Jehoshaphat and Judah, and Jehoshaphat got the word from somebody about this gathering together and about this situation. And, and um, it was with the purpose, of course, to completely destroy the destruction of God's people. He lets us know in that text that the reason that this army had come together, these armies had come together, was to dispossess God's people from their land, to take over their possession, to take their inheritance away from them. What God had given them, the enemy was coming to take away and to destroy. And that's what the enemy does. The Bible says that the thief comes to do what? to kill and to steal and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so this situation literally overwhelmed the people of God. It was, they, they were outnumbered. They were overwhelmed by what was, what was coming against them. And so in the same way, I believe that you and I can see today that the church is facing like never before and the world, the onslaught of the powers of darkness that have come against us. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. I, I've told this story some years ago, but I was reminded of it the other day. And it's a story about uh, back in the old West times, um, there was a, a saloon owner that had just hired a new barkeep, a new bartender. And so the saloon owner brings the barkeep in there and uh, he's get, showing him the ropes on how to, how, what to do, how to take care of the saloon and all this, teaching him what to do. And, uh, but then he tells him, he said, but this is some of the most important advice that I can give you. He said, if anybody ever comes in here, if anybody ever, if you ever hear them say, Bad Bart is coming to town, he said, as soon as you hear that, you don't hang around, you drop everything, and you get out of Dodge just as fast as you can. If you hear those words, just run for your life when you hear Bad Bart is coming to town. So the new barkeep is just going along and going about his business is everyday business and all of a sudden one day everything's going well everything's going fine and then one day someone runs into the saloon and says everybody run bad bark is coming to town well the barkeep he's he's trying to get everything ready so he can get out of there he's got the bad news that bad bart is coming but before he could leave all of a sudden busting through the saloon doors was the biggest man that he had ever saw in his life. 
I mean, he made Arnold Schwarzenegger look like one of, uh, he, it made him look like one of uh, uh, Snow White's dwarfs. I mean, this guy, this guy was, 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 uh, was, was one big man, a big bushy beard and uh, tattoos all over him. He was riding on the back of a buffalo, had a rattlesnake in his hand for a whip and he rode into the saloon, crushed through the saloon doors, jumped off the buffalo, threw the rattlesnake in the corner, walked up to the bar and with a fist the size of a sledgehammer hit his fist on the bar, splitting it totally in two and said, give me a drink. Well, the bar keeps standing there shaking in his boots and shaking from limb to limb. He reaches up and grabs a bottle of whiskey and hands it to the man. He takes the bottle of whiskey, bites the top off the bottle, turns the bottle up and kills that whole bottle of whiskey with one drink. Slams the bottle down, turns away and begins to go out of the saloon. And the barkeep doesn't know what to say. And he said, excuse me, sir, would you like another drink? And the man turns and says to him, I ain't got time. Hadn't you heard, man? Bad Bart's coming to town. I want to tell you something. I think our nation has experienced bad Bart has come to town. Can I get an amen? There's bad news everywhere. Bad Bart has hit America. Bad Bart is hitting the church. But I've got news for every one of us today. We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Woo. Oh, we're facing a problem today and there's perplexity that comes with every problem. And there was a perplexity that was felt by Jehoshaphat. The Bible said in verse 3 that he, first thing he did when he got the bad news was that he feared. He feared. Isn't that the first emotion that, that gets a hold of us when we hear bad news, when we see it uh, in the newspaper, when we, <laughs> when we turn on the media or social media, it seems like that all we can hear is bad news. And with every report of bad news, fear grips our hearts. That's what the enemy desires. There's a perplexity. The NIV said that Jehoshaphat was alarmed. So he knew that there was trouble. And uh, he made that statement in verse 12, and he said, We have no power against this great multitude, nor do we know what to do. And that's the condition, ladies and gentlemen, with the biggest part of our nation today. Fear and panic have gripped this country. And, you know, and uh, so, you know, I hope, I hope my first live stream on Facebook that I don't get in Facebook jail already, but the media is, is feeding the fear and the panic of this nation. Well, Pastor, are you saying that there's, that there's not a problem? Are you saying that there's not a pandemic? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not denying the problem or the situation, but I am going to say this. I'm going to tell you this, that the, 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 the first instinct of every one of us and what Satan does desires and wants is for us to be fearful and to be afraid and to panic. And that's why we see the panic buying. That's why the grocery shelves are empty today. And, and it's sad to say that there are, there, are, there are ministries and there are preachers and other people that are, that, are, that are feeding off of this fear and panic. Some preachers are selling stuff on TV saying that it will cure the coronavirus and everything. There's a bunch of nonsense going on. But, but my point is this. There is a pandemic. There is something there is something that's out there that that uh, that we need to avoid that we need to pray against that we need to believe God for his protection on their li our lives and upon our church and upon our family but ladies and gentlemen there's one place we cannot go and that is we cannot allow fear to grip our hearts God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind that's what the Lord has provided for us. Amen. 
Yes, what we hear is alarming, but we nevertheless cannot allow fear to grip our hearts. I've even, I've even seen it on, on Facebook. And I told my wife the other day, I said, I, if it wasn't for our church account being connected to my account, I would do away with my Facebook account, I think, altogether because of, 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 the, of, the, of the, the, the quarreling that's going on. And I mentioned this a while ago to you all. If there ever was a time for the church to come together, if there ever was a time for us to unite and to be one, we need that now. We, we can't fight this thing. The church can't. Listen, this is a spiritual thing that has to be dealt with with spiritual weapons and the church cannot be effective in battling this pandemic unless we come together and do it as a body. Come on, somebody. We've got to do it together, preachers. Some preachers are criticizing those that have, that have chosen to not have service. Other preachers are criticizing those that have chosen to have service. You know, I haven't criticized or condemned or spoke against or tried to argue with anybody. Whatever decision they've made, that's between them and the Lord. But we've got to come together and be one and unite. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the one reason I mentioned to you that I didn't post it that we were going to have one more service today because I just wasn't in the mood for all the negativity and the accusations that I felt like would probably come against me. So now they can do it after the fact, after it's already over with. But we have never faced in our lifetime anything like this, have we? Now, I'm not saying this nation hasn't, because it has. And I could stand here and tell you um, many different things that have taken place in our nation. Pandemics and outbreaks and the Spanish flu and cholera and so many different things that have come through and plagues and pestilence that have come through this nation and claimed so many lives. But the church, come on, listen to me. But the church is still here. And the church is still standing. Hallelujah. And we're still going to make it through this. And we're going to come through this. And so here's, you know, here's the bottom line. We've not faced this situation before. We've not come this way. None of us in this sanctuary are in our lifetime. But can I tell you this? That fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. We've got to put our faith in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, I'm not, I am not afraid. So listen, somebody say, and, and I'm not afraid of the plague, the pestilence, the disease. Amen? So fear has to be dealt with. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, we're troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed. We're perplexed. Anybody feel perplexed? Anybody feel like Jehoshaphat? Lord, we don't know what to do. We're perplexed. But Paul said, we're perplexed. But listen, but we're not in despair. And that's the place the enemy wants to bring us to with a perplexing situation. He wants to bring us to a place of despair. Yeah, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Amen. And I like what one translation said. It said we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Come on, it's time to get up and shake it off. Hallelujah and trust God in these last days. The prayer that he presented. I've got to hurry, my battery's going to be dead. The prayer that he presented in faith. Now Jehoshaphat and Judah's facing a problem, they're feeling the perplexity. You see where we're at? Yes, but how did they deal with that? I believe there's a good example here for the church today and for America as a nation. 
That is, they dealt with it by prayer that was presented to God in faith. I love that third verse where he says, Jehoshaphat feared, but it didn't stop there. Instead, he feared and he set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. In verse 12, he said, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might or power against this multitude, but our eyes are on you. So there was a prayer. He set himself to seek the Lord, and he put his eyes and he put his focus upon the Lord. So basically, here's what the situation is. And listen, time and time and time and time again, when you read and study the Old Testament, the New Testament, you see the problems, you see the situations that God's people have dealt with in the past. The the ones that came out, the ones that came through, the ones that had the victory, were the ones that did not give up or quit, but they took their problem and their perplexity and took it to God in prayer and prayed in faith and believed God. Come on. Hallelujah. Said we set ourselves to seek you. I'm a first responder. Well, Brother Rick, I didn't know that. My first response, and you need to be a first responder today. Our first response to trouble must be prayer. Amen. Well, you know what's you know how we are, don't you? We're just kind of nonchalantly just skipping through life. And then a problem hits or perplexity or situation comes our way. And uh, we think, oh, it'll be all right. Well, the worse it gets, the worse it gets, the worse it gets. You ever heard anybody say, oh, my, has it come to that? Are we going to have to pray? Are we going to have to call a prayer meeting? Oh, and surely, preacher, 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 I know you read the text, but surely you're not going to tell us we're going to have to quit eating too. Tell us we need to fast too. Well, it wouldn't hurt us a little bit. Amen. Said it wouldn't hurt us. Boy, I tell you, it felt felt the cool breeze come through right then. Hallelujah. I think I lost about half of you right then. But prayer should be a first response and not a last resort. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, see, somebody said this, and I thought it was so good. I don't remember. I, I've read so many different books on prayer, but somebody made the statement and said, if you only pray when you're in trouble, then you are in trouble. You are in trouble if that's the only time you ever pray. But Jehoshaphat made this the first response. He came to the Lord. He presented his prayer in faith. It's prayer that believes God. And the faith was, he said, we have placed our eyes upon you. We don't know what to do, but we know you do. And that's what he was saying. We don't know what to do, but God, you do know what to do. How many believe God knows what's going on? And he knows how to handle the situation. Hallelujah. It's all I can do to keep from running. So the prayer, there was a prayer presented in faith, but this prayer was also produced from facts. All we're hearing today are the facts concerning the pandemic. We're hearing all those facts. Can I preach? Is it okay? You turn on Fox News, now half the screen is showing the facts. How many have the virus? Of how many have died? And even how many have died in the last 24 hours? Are you denying that? No, they're facts. They have no reason to lie. Those are facts. But I happen to know some facts. I have some facts of my own that have been given to us in this book that will, excuse the pun, but some facts that will trump those facts. Are you listening to me? 
We've got some facts. Let me tell you something. We see the facts that are that 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 they are giving us in the news media, but not only do they ha- they may have the facts, but we've got the truth. Do, do you know facts? Oh, come on, somebody. Facts can change. It can be a fact today and not be a fact tomorrow. But I've got some facts that are truth, and this book is truth, and it's absolute truth. And when the facts change, the truth remains the same, and the word of God stays the same every day. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? I know some of you may be around my age that back in, in the old days when we had three channels and watched TV, you remember, you remember, remember that show Dragnet? Anybody remember Dragnet? And uh, just the facts, ma'am. You're, try, you're preaching my sermon for me, brother. Just the facts, ma'am. Remember... Joe Friday. Joe Friday. He didn't want to hear. <laughs> he didn't want to hear anything other than the facts. Just give me the facts. Well, let me tell you something. I, I have come today to give you the facts. Not, not the, all the facts. I could have wrote them down. I could have told you how many people are sick, how many people are dying, how many they have projected will get sick, how many they've projected will die. Amen. I could give you the, the, the difference between how many have died of the flu and how many have died of this virus and how many have died of something else. Those are all facts. But I'm here with something besides facts. I'm here with some different facts. I'm here with the truth of the Word of Almighty God. Amen. And when we, when we make prayer, our priority. We've got to establish and base that prayer on the facts that are in this book, on the word of Almighty God and the promises that God has given us. If we're going to make it through, and we are going to make it through, if our nation's going to make it through, and it will make it through, we as a church have to establish our praying on the truth and the facts that are laid out in the word of Almighty God. Oh, praise the Lord. Somebody ought to get happy here today. He appealed to God. I've got got to close. I've got a two-page outline. I've got one page done. He He appealed to God for help in verses five and six. I love this prayer. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, the house of the Lord, before the new court, and he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God? Listen to it. Listen to it. Are you not God in heaven? You know, he's not talking about, he's not telling God all the problems that they're facing. He's beginning this prayer by talking about how big God is. How great God is. He said, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? How many believe that? And listen to it. And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not God? Oh, come on, that's where we need to be today. Abundant life. He appealed to God for help on the basis that God reigned in the heavens and God ruled on the earth. A God that was of such power and such might that no one could stand against Him. Do you believe that that's the God you serve? That no one can stand against Him. No pandemic can stand against Him. He's on His throne in heaven and He's ruling from heaven and He's reigning on this earth and ruling in this earth. He's the almighty God. You are to give the Lord a praise. I probably won't get this exuberant when I'm preaching to empty seats or just preaching to the worship team. They'll have to listen to me. (laughs) 
But he appealed to God on the basis that he reigned and he was powerful and he was mighty. He, he appealed to God on the basis of God's ability, that God, with God nothing's impossible. I just preached that a few weeks ago. When I preached that a few weeks ago, there's two messages I preached in the, in the, just a few weeks ago. One was on with God, nothing's impossible, and the other one was on persecution. None of us realized we would be needing those two messages as quickly as what we're needing them. We're facing that situation today. But then he reminds God of the promise that he made in verses 7 through 9. That God would always, that God would always be there when we need Him. He based, He used the basis and prayed on the basis of God's availability. In verse number seven, He said, "You're God." And in verse eight, and He said, He said, verse nine, He said, "Here's what you said. Here's what you said." Jehoshaphat's reminding God of what He said. He said, "If disaster comes upon us, if sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, then we and fa- that pestilence being what?" Being what? A fatal epidemic or a disease that destroys or a plague when those things come against us. You said, God, if we would stand in your presence and you said if we would cry out to you in our affliction that you would hear us and that you would save us. And now here we are, the people of God coming before you. Oh God, will you not judge this enemy? Will you not come against him? I'm telling you, God has made himself available to the church today. We need to call on the Lord like we never have before. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's available. I said he's made himself available to the church. Praise God. Hallelujah. Those are true facts. Those are truths. Amen? So they stood before the Lord and they prayed. And I'm going to tie this all together. Bam, bam, bam. We'll be, we'll be done. And God gave them an answer to their prayer. When you pray, Please expect God to answer. We prayed this morning for those of Abundant Life Family Church that are not here. I expect God to answer. We prayed for those who are sick. I expect God to answer. We prayed this morning as a congregation for God to stay the plague and to stop the disease of coronavirus. I I'm believing God and expecting God to answer those prayers. It's not just words that we say, but we're expecting God to do the very thing that we've asked Him to do. Can I get an amen? Amen. And when we pray, God will answer, and He did. And the Bible says in verse number 14, listen to it. Are you still listening? Are you still with me? I love this. It says that when they had prayed, when they'd prayed, verse 14 said, then the Spirit of the Lord came. Notice those words. When they had prayed, then the Spirit of the Lord came. Came upon a young man by the name of um, Jehaziel, and God gave them an answer. And here was what God said to them. He said this in verse 15. God said, through this young man, by prophecy, he said, listen, all of you Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, listen, listen, that's what God's saying to us today, listen. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. For the battle is not yours but God's. For the battle is not yours but God's. Give it to the Lord. He has got this. Praise God. He's got it. Amen. 
We've got to understand that and put it in His hands and trust Him completely and totally. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. That's the message God has given to us, but to pray and trust and believe God. But then God told them what to do. They had the promise from God. They said, believe in the Lord and you will be established. Believe His prophets and you will prosper. And, and, and He said, take it out of your hands. Put it in our hands, in my hands. You're not going to have to fight in this battle at all. But he said, here's what I want you to do. Just go out before the enemy tomorrow. So you're not going to take... Oh, I'm doing all I can do to stay up here. He said, you're not going to have to take any soldiers, any weapons. You're not going to have to take any swords or any shields. Don't get the, the, the most... Don't get the most trained soldiers and warriors and put them on the front line. But he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the worship team. Oh, come on, somebody. He said, I want you to get the praisers and the singers. Here's what we need when we're facing a terrible situation. We need somebody that still knows how to praise the Lord. Here's what you do when you don't know what to do. We need to get somebody that still knows how to say, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. And he said, Jehoshaphat, you're not going to have to go out. He said, put those praisers on the front lines of the battle. And he said, you march out against the enemy tomorrow. And he said, as you go out against the enemy, he said, I want you just to begin to praise and to sing. And he said, here's the song I want you to sing. Just sing, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Somebody, somebody said one time, all them new songs that, that, that the church is singing, it seems like they're singing the same thing over and over and over. Well, read your Bible. God, this song only had one verse. Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. They're going out to meet the enemy. They're going out to fight a battle. They're going out against three armies outnumbered, but they went out with the one weapon God gave them. Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. If you can praise him in the midst of this turmoil, God will do something for you. He sent them out to praise and worship. And he said, when you get close to the enemy, this is Hensley translation. He said, when you get out there, get close to the enemy. He said, here's what I want you to do. Just cut loose and sing the glory down. Just cut loose and sing the glory down and shout, shout like you're at camp meeting. Don't ever let the devil steal your joy. In the midst of this, you've got, church, you've got to keep your praise and you've got to keep your joy. Amen? God was telling them, He'd already told them, the battle is the Lord's. And He said, since the battle is mine, since I'm going to fight this battle for you, all I want you all to do is go out and just be my cheering section. Hallelujah. I promise you victory, so just go out and say, praise the Lord. I'm just going to cheer Jesus on. I'm just going to praise the Lord in the midst of all we're going through no matter how bad it gets no matter how dark it is be a cheering section for Jesus and keep on praising the Lord and praising his name amen you all know what happened they went out there praising the Lord with the victory and for the victory I've thought of it this way before but when they got close to where the armies, the enemy was, you know, maybe they started out praising God pretty strong, but then they, maybe they peeked around the corner and said, praise the Lord. Amen. But you know what happened. You know what happened. God, because of their praise, because they had prayed, and now they're erecting a monument of praise in their valley. The Bible said that God sent an ambush against these three armies that had outnumbered God's people. An ambush. What do you reckon the ambush, who made up this ambush? Who ambushed these people? 
The, the Jewish Targums said that God ambushed them with angels. That angels were sent by God. I don't see where that would not be scriptural. God did it before. But He sent ambushments against this army. And they got so confused. I believe the army saw these angels and got terrified. And they became so confused that they began to kill one another. The enemy did. See, praise confuses the devil. When you can thank and praise God in the midst of your turmoil and conflict, it confuses the enemy. And, and, and they got so confused they killed one another. And when God's people got there to where um, the, the armies were, the enemy was, all they found was dead bodies everywhere. God had stopped the attack. God had defeated the enemy. God had given them the victory because they took time to pray a prayer and hear from God and act on the word of God and praise the Lord and erect a monument of praise in their valley and when they did, God gave them the victory. Let me tell you, Abundant Life, this victory's coming through. Our blessing's coming through. We still serve the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. And even when it don't seem like it's working, you keep on praising God. And even when it don't look like it's working, you keep on praising God and believing God and the Red Sea's parting and the enemy's defeat and victories coming for this nation and for his church. Well, come on and give him praise. Woo, hallelujah. Stand with me this morning around this building. Well, glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, lift your hands and praise him. Let's, hey, glory. Let's erect that monument of praise right now in this valley that we're going through. Let's erect that monument of praise right now. Hallelujah! 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 Let me tell you something else. When they got there and all the enemy was dead, they began to gather the spoils of war. And the Bible said that the spoils of the enemy was so much it took them, it took them three days to gather it all up and to take it home. Now see, here was an enemy that had come to spoil God's people. But when God turned it around, Hallelujah. God's people wound up spoiling the enemy. See, God took what, what was meant, the enemy meant for harm and evil, and God turned it into good. And God took the curse that the enemy meant against God's people. And come on. And God turned the curse into a blessing that day. I just have to believe that if we as a church will bind together, if we will pray in faith, if we will praise the Lord, if we will erect that monument of praise and do what God has told us to do, I just happen to believe that what the enemy has meant for harm, God's going to bring a greater blessing out of this. We're going to have, we're going to reap the spoils of this battle. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our worship team's going to sing something, and I want us to erect that monument of praise today, and let's worship Him this morning. Amen? Hallelujah. Are y'all going to shout with me like this next Sunday when you're sitting in your living room? I'm going to be counting on it. Amen? You'll have to type in some amens. Preach, Brother Rick. Hallelujah. You know, hallelujah. Well, praise God. Let's worship Him this morning. Let's put the devil on the run. Let's claim the blessing of God in our life today. Will you do it this morning? Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship No weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. Oh, come on. That's good. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how Praise to God. triumph. 
for a couple of weeks. Oh my Let's God, come up and gather. Keep six foot apart if you can. Oh, I'm gonna see well, let's come a together. victory. Let's worship I'm the Lord. Come on. Let's praise Him together. For let's the build that mighty name of praise right here in the valley Lord. of our trouble. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Well, there's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. Backing down from any giant Cause I know how this story ends Yes, I know, I know how, how this is. story ends Oh, I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord Victory, I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Cause you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Cause you take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good, you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, you turn it for good. Oh, see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord oh I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord cause you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You turn it for good, you turn it for good. Oh, I'm gonna see a victory, I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory, I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. The voice of triumph, hallelujah. We're going to see, how many believe it? Going to see a victory? Amen. The battle belongs to the Lord. God bless you. So good to see you all today. What an awesome presence of the Lord here this morning. We'll look forward to um, uh, what God's got in store for us. No service tonight, of course. No service tonight for this Sunday night. And uh, we'll get things together. And we will uh, be in touch with everybody and see you all online Wednesday night, okay? God bless you. We love and appreciate you all. Call us if you need anything and let us know. God bless you today in the Lord.
Hey, I need to meet with the board members that are here. If there's any here this morning, real quickly. Um,